millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to the show. Hey, welcome to you, me and a poltergeist. That's right. That's we right. are the weekly group to talk about the things that could make you go, ah, and then do a little poop. <laughs> that was a stretch. That was a very long stretch. Mm-hmm. Speaking of stretching, I'd love a good stretch right now. I can't stretch, it hurts. Welcome to the 30th episode of this crazy program known as your map. Mm -hmm. We adore you. And today we are brought to you by our lovely patrons over at www.patreon.com slash poltergeist. Thank you for supporting us. We love you. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. You're hearing this two weeks later. Oh yeah, that's right. But hey, it's all good. Uh, We're recording on Halloween. Recording on Halloween Eve because, you know, that's a spooky time to record. Not Halloween Eve. Oh, yeah, sorry. I forgot what exactly that means. Let me just crack this pep. On Halloween right now. Yeah. I saw two black cats yesterday. Ooh, spooky. So I knew Halloween was coming in me. (sighs) Ooh. Who's this Halloween you're seeing? You. Are they trying to get you pregnant? With the next um, devil child. What's it called? Son of Satan. The Antichrist, I believe you're talking about. That's what. Thank you. You're welcome. I know my Christian law. I don't. (laughs) So we didn't get any trick-or-treaters. We bought candy. Lollies. Chocolate. Yeah, lollies and chocolate. And most of those I can't eat. What a shame. Oh, such a shame. Such a shame. In case all of you listeners didn't notice, Belinda and I are obsessed with Big Mouth. Big Mouth, Mouth. oh my god. It is our (laughs) favorite. And that line particular from (laughs) Lola on the show is our favorite line. That, and Brayden does a really good... um, Hormone monster. What's the old hormone the monster's old name? old hormone monster, I forget. We're big friends of Big Mouth. What's the old hormone monster's name? Shit. Hold on, let me check. It's Sal! No, it's, it's Rick! I can't do it. Rick the hormone monster. It's Rick. Dysfunctional hormone monster who is incontinent and has bad vision. He literally has one, like, working eye. It's Sal, groovy baby. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear that. Do, what that sounds like. Do Coach Steve. This is a lot of pressure, considering this is going to be broadcast to billions of people across like the world. A thousand people. So I'm uh, basically alone all the time. No, that's no, a hot. No, I, it's definitely not no, anything. I'm basically alone all 
alone all the time. I can't do it. Ah, I sound like Marge. Uh, I'm Coach Steve. What's the dog's name that is very aware of Oh, uh-huh, yeah. Uh, featuring Ludacris. Ludacris, that's right. Move, 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 Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Mouse is staring at me, like, talking. What? Pardon? Boy. <laughs> he yeah. wags his little tail. What a good lad. He loves Halloween. We've taught him how to um, respond to, like, not how to. We've taught him to respond to pardon. He's a very polite dog. Yeah, he is. As soon as you say pardon, he's like, oh, well, I guess I better tell you again. Yes, let me just uh, rehash that topic for you. Woof. <laughs> what, the, what are you doing, buddy? He's so happy. He's a happy boy. He... Oh, he does like that pet. Oh. Anyway, how's yeah. life been, babe? Oh, what you been doing? You know, we've barely seen each other this week. I know we've been estranged. And I'm supposed to be at a party tonight, but well, at a club in a Halloween. You broke your back and break it. Final. Something. There's like a pinch in something. Something's wrong. It hurts, and I have no energy, and I'm very sorry if you're picking that up. Grab your crystals, grab your stage, and just... Waft them at the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever device you're listening to this on. I note that wafting sage is the only way that would work. You can't waft a crystal. You can hold a crystal. You can hold the crystal real hard. You can hold the crystal. (laughs) You can hold the crystal really hard in your hand. Go outside. Charge your crystals by the moonlight. If you don't have moonlight, wait till morning. It's not as effective, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Because I'm Coach Steve, you know? I live in a diaper bodge. Oh, shit. Here comes the grub. Good boy. Hi, grub. Lay down. She's, like, on your lap. I lay down on yes. your lap. Oh, sorry, Molly. So how do you hurt your back? I don't know. Something to do with work. It was either the night before Christmas. Christmas. Exactly, because it's now the 26th of December. Yes. Um, no, it was either um, on Tuesday night doing stock take in my old store, and which is where you scan through every single fucking item on the shop floor, and that includes a lot of stretching, moving stuff, you know, up and down, sitting, blah, 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 blah. Jumping. Um, bending. Flipping. I, Flipping, you gotta do them gymnastic diving. Twirls. Yeah, you dive into the pile of shirts and scan it all. <laughs> I'm just imagining some like matrix level shit. You with like two scan guns just like flying through the air. Actually, they didn't have the sounds turned on, which I really um, hate because I like having the sound turned on so I know that it's been scanned. It's satisfying, I'd assume. I haven't yeah, scanned it. Especially when you're scanning through the bibs, which are all a one size item, so you count like, oh, two, four, six, eight, nine, twenty. Yeah. And then you scan it just twenty times. It's like beep, 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 oh, beep, beep, beep. And it annoys yeah. the shit out of everyone. Fucking love it. But you love it. Yeah. Could you just line all the barcode ups in a line and just like run with it held at your side and just like if it was that, they wouldn't need 10 people to do stock tech. Exactly. And that's why we're inventing a new... <laughs> stock tech s- method? <laughs> scanning thing. Scan no, gun. Like, the, all the tags are placed out. When you've got the clothes on, like, clip hangers, you know, the barcode's clipped into the clip hanger, so it's really easy when you're doing shorts and pants and stuff. Um, it's just... I keep fucking bumping my mic, sorry. 
it's it's just like the reaching up high and normally it's I've got my left hand up pulling the clothing item scanning with my right hand my right arm goes down my left hand moves across and keeps going so I think I've maybe overstretched my uh. left side or the next day I finish stop take at 8:30 right and then I go into work at 9:30 the next day and I do um, visual merchandising for three hours straight. It could be a combination of both. It could have just been one of them, but I've hurt the whole left side of my back, arm, and neck and shoulder. Damn, that's the worst. It is the worst. Hey, babe. Hey, Brayden. Guess what? What? We posted a question to the patrons. What? I know. Did you not know that we posted a question to the patrons? I think I... Is that because you're not a Patreon member? Fucking jump on there now. Become a Patreon <laughs> member. Uh, the Patreon poll Patreon poll was tied. So we then had to defer to our lovely Facebook, Facebook. supporters. That's right. And then if Facebook didn't work, we'd have gone to Instagram. And Facebook was a unanimous decision. Today, we are going to be talking about... Haunted object once more we've already done like a haunted item cursed item sort of deal but we're coming back with two this is part two haunted part objects two. part two last time we did like eight separate items this time we're doing two individual items individual items slightly more in depth maybe my i've got a page of just one item so i think i'm i'm pretty good sweet took me a couple minutes to type it up nice I went off two sources, tomato sauce and barbecue sauce, and then I did a little bit of Wikipedia. Very nice. Getting no sauce was involved. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who goes well, first? yeah, who wants to go first? Hey, do you want to rock paper shambo own it? Own it. Yeah, all right. What's right. shambone? I don't know. I think it's Rochambeau. Let's just do rock paper scissors like normal people. Let's do it with our feet. No, I'm not good at Interpretive anything. Interpretive feet. No. Rock sham. Shambo. Rock, paper, scissors. No. Scissors, paper, rock. Okay, first, motherfucker. So what... Wait, wait, wait. Shippy Before we shit, go forward any further with this, yeah, what is the decisive method of winning a rock, paper, scissors game? It's um a one in three chance of winning. <laughs> but I think there's like a one... I'm pretty sure it's scissors. And one of them is done, like, a majority of time. Like, 80% of the time, that's the first one just scissors, yeah, random people of, throw. Because of the way that scissors, the rhyme paper, is rock. said. It's scissors, paper, rock. So, like, it's the but, first thing that's said. It's the first thing that's in your head. I feel like it's what you rock, instinctively paper, scissors, go to. rock, paper, scissors is equally as said, though. I never heard anybody call it paper, scissors, rock. It's not Wait, paper, scissors, rock. I have called it paper, scissors, rock before. When have you ever called it paper, scissors, rock besides just then? In primary school. Paper, scissors, rock. No. Scissors, paper, rock. Okay, well, you know, I feel like all of them are equally valid, but for some reason, scissors is the one that's thrown the most. It's more threatening. <laughs> Very true. I feel like... You know, if I was armed with a pair of scissors in, in... I'd flinch more than a rock because, like, what are you going to do? Just throw the rock, it hits me a little bit, but you're going to, like, fucking stab me with a pair of scissors? And what are you going to do with a piece of paper? Paper cut. 
I'll fucking ride a restrainer. That shit stings. <laughs> paper cut and then squeeze a bit of lemon in it. Oh, oh shit. Well, shit. it's not paper, scissors, rock, and lemon. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> when you're right, you're right. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess you won. So who's going to go first? You? Yes. Okay, well, go ahead. Because I won. That's right, babe. You're a winner. I need to keep that mentality. Mentality? <laughs> mentality. I need to keep that fertility. I mean, mental. I mean... Mentat. Um, and I mean, <laughs> I need to keep that mentality for the fucking job interview tomorrow. Anyway, my story, it's a bit of a saddish story. Okay. It's the dog suicide bridge in Scotland. Wait, wait, the dog suicide bridge? In Scotland. Mm-hmm. And I suppose we are classifying a bridge as an object because, I mean, it's not really... Uh, yeah, it's an, I guess it's an object. You know what, it's up for debate, but you know what? I found it was good, and I'm doing it. Sure. I put in haunted objects. And a bridge came up? And the bridge thing came up, and I was like, well, the article said it's an object. <laughs> Done. So, hey, if you're angry at us, don't be. Be angry, be angry at, at Google. Google. <laughs> exactly <laughs> all of the world's problems <laughs> it's on google's fault. it's all on google so for over 60 years between 300 and 600 dogs have allegedly thrown themselves off scotland's overton bridge near dumbarton built in 1895 and into a 50 foot gorge what the hell mm-hmm but while only 50 or so dogs that have jumped have actually died on the jagged rocks below, it's still a very disturbing phenomenon. How far is 50 feet in metres? 15. 15 metres? Yeah. That's a long way for a poor dog to jump. That's for a long way for anyone to jump on. For a poor dog. Poor boys. Come oh. On. Come on. Oh, wow. I didn't, wow. but that's a long way. It is, isn't it? Poor dogs and are probably what the hell? surprised not more have died, but I'm sure a lot of them have been seriously injured. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Anyway, what would be possessing these preachers to do this act? Of course there is a logical answer given by a pastor from Pasta Pastor. <laughs> I do this every time. A noble time. spaghetti bolognese from <laughs> A good old ravioli. <laughs> Um, a pasta? I'm going to say pasta. That's fine. Just say that. Pasta. From Texas, Bob Hill said that the smell of minks, pine martens, and some other mammals deep in the gorge are affecting the dogs. Bob and his wife have lived in the manor nearby nearby the bridge for 17 years and have seen several dogs suddenly dive off the bridge. But the superstitious people of Dumbarton think it is something of another world not the mammal sense oh so you know this texas guy bob mr bob hill is like well there's mammals underneath the bridge so obviously when they're walking across they pick up the strong scent and they're just gonna go and dive off and get it you know it's like that video where the dog hasn't seen stairs before (laughs) just jumps down the stairs it's like oh there's a mammal down there jump off and risk my life it doesn't make sense because dogs are actually quite smart and i don't think a dog's just gonna jump off of jump off a bridge you know molly 
thinks about four times before she jumps off oh, the lounge. Yeah. <laughs> or before she jumps off a step. She doesn't even, like, go up the lounge very willingly. No, she's no. like... Oh, pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> if Molly <laughs> was smelling those mammals, she'd be at the fucking edge of that bridge all day long. <laughs> she'd be like, oh, this smells good, but I'm not fucking going down there. No one's carrying me. I'm not doing it. Mouse would just be barking at them. So a man named Alistair Dutton, a local taxi driver, told the New York Times that people in Dumbarton are very superstitious. Uh, we grew up playing in the Overton grounds and we believe in ghosts here because we've all seen or felt spirits up here. So a dog owner named Lottie McKinnon recalled a traumatizing event three years ago when her border collie Bonnie jumped off the bridge as they were going for a walk. Something overcame Bonnie as soon as we approached the bridge. At first she froze, but then she became possessed by a strange energy and ran and jumped right off the, pa- the parapet. I'm so sorry. This sucks. Like, these poor people's dogs are just jumping off. But can you just imagine? You're just like, what the fuck? Where are you going? Come back. And then it just fucking yeah. woo. Is there a railing on this bridge? Let's get a railing on this bridge, huh? Or are these dogs just, like, fucking leaping clear over it? I think they're leaping clear over it. Okay, so smaller dogs are unaffected, clearly. Anyway. I was sure sure she was dead, said Lottie quietly. The dog didn't die, but she thought. Anyway. Did it sustain grievous bodily harm? I don't know. Okay. The Probably. You can only assume so. did not disclose so. that to the New York Times. Yeah, that's fair enough. So the Times also spoke to a philosophy professor the and local ghost expert, Paul Owens, who published a book about the recurring incident. After 11 years of research, I'm convinced it's a ghost that is all that is behind all of this. <laughs> he confessed to the New York Times in a pub in Glasgow. Glasgow. <laughs> Let's go. Wait, wait, wait. Let's just hold for a second. This guy has spent 11 years of his life researching a bridge where dogs just jump off the edge. Yes. Yeah, fair. People research weirder. Weirder things. I'd assume so. I know, but I mean, like, pick a broader topic, you know? Like, you could spend 11 years of He's your life... He's a philosophy professor. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. I thought I thought he... Sorry, I missed that part. I thought he was just, like, some dude who was like, I'm going to study this bridge, and he just went over every detail of the bridge for 11 years. The Times also spoke to a philosophy professor and local ghost expert. Okay, there it is. That's what I said. I fixated on the ghost expert part. I hear. <laughs> it just strikes me odd that he's spent 11 years of his life studying this bridge that dogs jump off of. Well, he was really trying to make sure if it was some ghost phenomena or if it was, you know, the mammals. Right on. Right on. All right. His theory is popular among the locals as they are certain of what or who the entity is that lures the these pups to the inevitable end. Ooh. Uh, the bridge-dwelling ghost is thought to be the grieving widow of the first Baron Overton. She's better known as the White Lady of Overton. 
The lady lived alone in grief for more than 30 years after her husband died in 1908, recalled Marion Murray, a Dumbarton resident. Her ghost has been lurking around here ever since. She's been sighted in, in windows and walking around the grounds. In 2010, an animal behaviorist, David Sands, investigated the phenomenon and ruled out the possibility that dogs were doing this deliberately. His experiments at the bridge found that dogs, more specifically long-nosed breeds, were drawn to the scent of mammals below. Dr. Sands theorized that dogs' limited perspective, their ignorance that the path changes from level ground to a bridge over a deep gorge, and the smells wafting from the air... Uh, probably enticed the dogs to jump, but even he acknowledged that the bridge had a strange feeling. Though some residents found the theory to be plausible, they still question it as this kind of thing doesn't occur at the same rate at other bridges with mammals roaming below. Other bridges don't have troubled spirits lurking about, Lottie McKinnon insisted grimly. Despite the bridge's reputation, the grounds remain a popular dog walking area with many off-leash. Many people don't believe in the story until they see it for themselves, and even then, they don't think it will happen to them, said Bob Hill. Emma Dunlop, who said she'd heard of the horror stories, but still took her Labrador retriever Ginger for a walk to Overton anyway. She didn't let him out of her station wagon until he was on, on a leash. He never tried to jump, but sometimes he freezes or hesitates when he got on the bridge, so I'm always careful, she said. But then one day, Ginger jumped from the car, raced around his owner, and headed straight for Overton Bridge, crossing it without any hesitation. But then Ginger froze, looking back intently at something on the bridge which appeared empty to human eyes. Hey, there she is. There's the white lady, laughed Emma at the time, suggesting that Ginger had seen the ghost of the bridge and grounds. Ooh. They continued their walk afterwards. Ooh. And that's all I have for you on the dog suicide bridge. God damn. God damn indeed, Brayden. God damn indeed. That's a, yeah, that's very strange. You know what strikes me as odd? What? Is that there's so many girl or lady in white ghosts. Like, how come there's so many ghosts that are in white? Because they were pure. (laughs) That were ladies, particularly. Ladies are always the purest. Maybe it's the form of, like, grief. Yeah, maybe. Maybe grief manifest or something. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I feel like that's... I hope I'm uh, not in white washes me out. What's that? I hope when I'm a ghost, I'm not in white washes me out. (laughs) I hope if I come back as a ghost, I'm in like a fucking fluorescent jumpsuit. Make sure you die in that. All right. Better start wearing it every day from now on. (laughs) (laughs) That's so creepy. I don't understand why people continue... To walk their fucking dogs. Like, even if they don't believe in the ghost story, perhaps believe in the fact that maybe Mammal Waft is what's doing... sense. (laughs) I like... Mammal Waft sounds so gross to me for some reason. It's like the Mammal Coochie. (laughs) Yeah, perhaps they'd think to follow this, you know, almost scientific explanation that the mammals... Uh, scent is wafting up onto the bridge and making the dogs like leap over top of it. Crazy, babe. Crazy indeed, honey. All right, I'm gonna do mine now. Okay. 
What's yours about, babe? An actual object? <clears throat> yeah, I guess you could call this an object. What is it? Well, let me just start with a little story, babe, because it has something to do with a famous person. Okay. I feel like a lot of us know the name James Dean. <laughs> do you know that name, babe? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. All right, well. Uh, he was a teenage heartthrob that ruled the silver screen during the 50s. His roles in East of Eden and A Rebel Without a Cause saw his meteoric rise into stardom and his ascension from actor to cultural icon. But, unfortunately, the star's shine was cut early in 1955, months after the release of the aforementioned movies that stamped his mark on history. For, as Dean's rise was fast, so was his lifestyle and hobbies. Oh. oh shit! Yeah, no, I know. The twenty-four-year-old loved the thrills of automobile racing, <laughs> <laughs> and sought to develop a career from the sport. Not only did he want to be a movie star, he wanted to be a fucking car racer. And nineteen fifty cars—they were, you know, those were those cool-looking ones. The like hot rods. Uh, yeah, sort of like that. Kind of cool. What you'd imagine, like, a classic, like, 1950s James Bond would drive. Imagine that. Yeah, yeah. So he managed to actually place in his categories in numerous prestigious races across the US and placed among podium positions in the main events of those races. So he was doing pretty good for himself in his short-lived career as a racer. That's good. Uh, when Warner Brothers movies approached James to star in the movie Giant, they demanded that he refrain from racing, and Mr. Dean obviously obliged, as that was the main way for him to gain some of these cars that he was beginning to buy. He was sort of really starting to become obsessed. But of course, once the movie went into post-production, his plans of racing kicked into gear once more. With a planned race a few months later, James had a full team with him preparing for the upcoming event. He had Bill Hickman, who was a renowned stunt coordinator, Sanford Roth, a photographer for Collier's Magazine, and Rolf Wolfrich, a German mechanic from Porsche, who was tasked with upkeeping James's newest addition to his garage, a Porsche 550 Spider that he nicknamed Little Bastard. <laughs> so the four were driving from LA to California. Not that is that even is that the same fucking thing? LA to California. Where is LA and where's California? They like across the other side of the state. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, check that shit out. Los Angeles is in California. <laughs> okay. So he was driving from Los Angeles to Los Angeles, apparently. Oh, no. Here we go. Um, I've got another name. He was driving from Los Angeles to Salinas, California. See where, how far away that is. Uh, that's a five-hour and 26-minute drive, um, 490 kilometers and looks like parking is limited oh okay so it's a fair distance anyhow so the four of them were driving from los angeles to salinas in california and 
This was all upon Rolf Wolfric's instruction to break in the little bastard. <laughs> Before the race, obviously, because you know Dean was a called little bastard. Yeah, no. <laughs> Dean was a novice driver, so it was like you know, not only are you going to break in the car, but you're also going to have to fucking break yourself in to start driving this car because you're a novice, Dean, and we don't want you getting hurt. So the four of them set off with James and Rolf in the little bastard, and Sanford and Bill trailing behind them in another car. At 3.30pm on September 30th in 1955, the two cars were fined for speeding. And that should have been all the warning that they needed because a few hours later, while racing forward once more, a car pulled out in front of Dean, who he then hit in a Mm -hmm. T-bone, causing the little bastard to fly across the highway and onto the side of the road. Shit. Yes. Rolf was tossed from the vehicle during the crash and managed to survive with pretty bad injuries, but he survived regardless, while Dean was trapped in the car and sustained fatal injuries, including a broken neck. Oh, my fucking God. And he died at the scene. Oh, my God. So guess who the name of the, guess the, name of the guy that uh, pulled out in front of them? Is it Brayden Fiveash? <laughs> no, I would <laughs> imagine. Yeah. His name's Donald... Turnip, no, Donald Turnipseed. <laughs> Donald Turnipseed. I feel like he gave a fake name. Hundred <laughs> percent, that was a fake name, and he fled the uh, state. Yeah. So we're just gonna have to collect your credentials. What um, exactly is your name? He sees like a picture of Donald Duck. He's like, Donald a turps turnip. Sorry, a turnip truck goes by, and he's like, turnip. Seed, Donald Turnip Seed. <laughs> you know, like how they do in movies, how they're like Donald Turnip Seed. Water table. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Alright, so now what is your license and registration? Uh, one, 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 one. One. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay, so thank you very much, Mr. Turnip Seed. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> flees straight to LAX <laughs> <laughs> yeah, out of there <laughs> so to uncover the actual paranormal phenomena that is happening from this story we must first take a step back seven days before James Dean's death James had oh, taken oh shit oh shit no 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 did you say seven days is he actually the ring <laughs> yes he is the ring not like Samara or whatever the hell her name is. He's the circle that appears on the television. Oh, fuck. I know. You know you're fucked. He's the voice that's like, seven days. Yep. Precisely. Was that scary? Yep. <laughs> Did I scare you? Okay. Are you scared? A little bit. What's your favorite scary movie? Um, Scary Movie 2. I like that one. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. James had taken the little bastard on a lunch date where he had met friend and fellow actor Alec Guinness. Oh, I thought you were about to say Alec Baldwin. (laughs) This is the 1950s. Was he even alive? I don't know. Alec fucking nearly said Alec Baldwin. (laughs) Alec Alec Guinness. Guinness. A notable role that he has played is the original Obi-Wan Kenobi, the old guy. Oh, shit! Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So, this is quite interesting. Him and his girlfriend went out to try and find a restaurant that they could eat at because they were getting constantly rejected from restaurants. You know why? Why? Because his girlfriend was wearing trousers. Oh. It was dresses or that you're not getting in. Oh, shit. No, no, you don't do it. No, don't you wear those trousers. That's too scandalous. How dare... That's a lot of, you know, flashy... I know. How- Ankle action. <laughs> exactly. Although I'm pretty sure the dresses would have shown off a lot more. Yeah. Don't wear pants because you're not allowed to wear the pants. No. <laughs> not wear back a in dress. Days, it's anyhow. easy to rape you in. Oh, wow. That's Dark. what the times were like. Anyhow. So. <laughs> <laughs> they went to two location, two restaurants and were rejected immediately. They found, finally found, one restaurant where they would be allowed in, but the waiting was immense. They had to stand around forever. Oh my god, the nerve. But our friend, the key component of our story, Mr. James James Dean, Dean, was dining at this restaurant, and he noticed Mr. Alec Guinness and was like, Hey, Alec. Buddy. Loved your work in the future as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Would you like to take a seat and dine with me? You both are welcome at my table. But first, let me show you my new car. So Alec goes around the back to the parking garage where old James Dean has parked little bastard and says, take a look at this beautiful car. And Alec, looking upon it, says to James, my God, that car looks sinister. Quote, if you get in that car... You'll be found dead in it within the week. <gasps> One week later to the day, no. James Dean dies. What the fuck? So do you think that the only reason that Alec got the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi was because he truly is a Jedi? Um, <laughs> yes, and I don't even like Star Wars. Exactly. One week later, obviously, James Dean trapped in the wreckage was indeed found dead inside of the car that Alec had mentioned. Whether or not that was coincidence, that he just thought the car was looking dangerous for the inexperienced James Dean. Maybe he had, like, some intuition thing, like, the Force. Flashback. Maybe he has ESP. Maybe. And we don't know it. Or the Force. Dying kind of will. <laughs> oh, was that a bad yoga? Was that a bad yoga? <laughs> yeah, that yogi was really bad. Yoga, the Jedi master. <laughs> <laughs> Not only was Alec Guinness the only one who thought the car was quite sinister, Ursula Andress, James Dean's girlfriend at the time, would not get in to the vehicle. And there's not much more information than that, but she didn't like it. So that's fair enough. Not fair enough. You know what? If you're a female and you don't like the car that your man is driving, you do not have to get in it. No, that's it. You should just protest him by wearing trousers. Absolutely wear trousers. <laughs> wear those pants. You wear the pants in the relationship now. He wears the dresses. Because it's 2019 and we love everyone. Exactly. So the sinister little bastard's destiny was set. Was it cursed? Was it inhabited by an evil entity? Or was it a magnet for misfortune and negativity? No one knows. But 
and we can only speculate, but that what is known is the horrible events that occurred to everyone who ever came into contact with the car from then on. Let's dive right in. Yes. So, after the crash, George Barris, who was the original mechanic slash friend of James Dean, who had originally modified the little bastard for racing, bought the wreckage back, and soon after the purchase, the car slipped off of the trailer and onto a mechanic's leg, snapping it in half. Oh, shit. This thing hates trailers. Let's just get that out there before I continue. Don't put this thing don't, on a trailer. No, Anyhow, don't do that. No. No. So, you can't keep baby on a trailer. <laughs> no, yeah, don't put baby on <laughs> <in> a trailer. <laughs> they still managed to take parts from it, however, after this. They gave the engine and drivetrain to Troy McHenry and William Eshrod. Both men entered the same race in separate cars each with the little bastard's parts within them. <laughs> and both men... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> both um, with the little bastard's parts in them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what my next sentence was? What? And neither of them finished. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Oh no. I didn't even realize. <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> it sucks when you get the little bastard's parts in you. <laughs> oh. Anyway, McHenry lost control. <laughs> Striking a tree and dying upon impact. Oh, shit. And, and Eshrod was seriously injured after his steering locked up on a turn, causing his car to flip. <laughs> Why are you laughing? That's not funny. Because it's not funny. <laughs> but it's just interesting, and that was really weird. So anyhow, <clears throat> George Barris also managed to sell two of the tires from the little bastard to a friend. And oh, not long no. after the sale... Both of the tyres blew out simultaneously while on the highway, causing the car's owner to spin off the road. Luckily, he avoided injury. Oh, that's good. At least he didn't die or anything. Yes. So, Barris still had the car's wreckage in his shop, and two would-be thieves thought it would be swell to cash in on some of the car's notoriety. So when they went to attempt to steal the car, or steal some of the components of the car, uh, one of them went for the steering wheel and managed to cut himself up quite severely. Another went for the blood-soaked seats with James Dean's blood still on it. What the fuck? Wait, 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 wait. Yep. With James Dean's blood still on the seat. Soaked in, yeah, like stained blood. They didn't even try to clean it? Well, I mean, more value. And this is James <laughs> Dean's blood. No wonder it's cursed. Yeah, James it's Dean's blood still there. Clean that shit up. What the fuck is wrong with you? Holy yeah, water. Holy Stay crap. Age. Get your crystals out. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, the guy tried to steal the seats, and they don't say what exactly happened to him, but he injured himself also. Oh, fuck. Probably just, like, put his back out or something. Probably. Like you. Right. <laughs> Sorry, babe. I wasn't trying to steal James Dean's bloody seats. Exactly. 
So, both men were injured during the process, and then they retreated from the vehicle. It doesn't really tell how exactly they know this happened. Maybe they were arrested after, or maybe they got caught. Maybe there's security footage. Oh. It's 1960 or something like this. Hey, if they can have movies. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, their security footage is like a parrot that just um, mimics. <laughs> oh, yeah? Back <laughs> <laughs> Ow, I fucked, my, I fucked up my back. <laughs> <laughs> they're just saying everything they're doing so they know ex- so when <laughs> when old Barris comes up he's like what happened here he's like <laughs> repeating it's like we're going in here to steal James Dean's car <laughs> look the seats still have his blood on them <laughs> yeah, just narrating everything they're doing so well, they're parrot detection systems my screwdriver <laughs> yeah. hold on here's my crowbar don't you worry I'm just gonna lift it. No, man, you'll put your back out. Oh, shit! I'll put my back out. And that's how it went down. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) New parrot detection systems coming to a fucking security safe near you. Sign up to our Patreon and get your own parrot detective system. (laughs) So... The list goes on. Barris lent the little bastard then after to a California highway safety exhibit. California. Knows how to be safe. So the exhibit burnt to the ground around the little bastard, which was completely untouched by fire. Of course it was. (laughs) So then the car was put in a similar exhibit at a high school to warn students of the dangers of speeding. And the car promptly fell from the display and broke a student's hip. Oh, fuck. Let's not put this thing on trailers or displays. How about we Or in wooden buildings. Pull no it wooden. apart and burn it. Exactly. Well, it's immune to fire. Pour holy water all over it. <laughs> yeah. So the little bastard was then taken away by truck to be moved across country back to George Barris when the driver... Get this, the driver loses control of his truck, somehow falling out of the truck, landing on the road while simultaneously the car, little bastard, falls, breaks free, falls off the back and lands on top of him. So they, this is some Three Stooges shit. This guy loses control, <laughs> falls out of the side of the car, the little bastard falls off the back and then crushes him, but he survives somehow. Good as long as he survived. As this any car good. sounds like Stephen King's Christine. Yeah, I was actually reading the story before I uh, discovered this one about the car that inspired Christine. Oh. There's like a Christian uh, group that has like attacked it a number of times. So the little bastard fell off two more trucks before ultimately disappearing without a trace when it was on the back on. Of a truck on the way back to George Barris. Are you saying it just drove away? <laughs> it just started its engine and steered off. Well, it didn't have wheels at this point. You have to remember because oh, they were sold. It. it did a grease lightning and it flew away. <laughs> Is that what happened? It just started flying off at the end of this musical. I think. I think what would have happened was. 
these tr- this fucking truck driver, after being three stooged out the side of his car and crushed, was like, fuck this thing. And when it fell off the next time, he's like, fuck it. And he kept driving. It disappeared. Oh no, it's a ghost car. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. Anyhow, he started it. So here's the fucking capstone to this whole story. In 1981, well after all of these fucking things happened and the car disappeared without a trace, at the ripe old age of 53, not that ripe, you know. I mean, that's pretty young. I mean, that's ripe. You're not, like, going stale yet as a human. Yeah, you're an avocado. You just ripened. Yeah, you hit your prime. Not Next really. Year, 30s you're your prime. Fucking <laughs> Next year, <moldy>. you're done. <laughs> Next year, you're done. Next year, you're moldy and brown and stringy on the inside. <laughs> what the fuck? So, <laughs> the man who originally survived the first crash, old oh, no. Rolf Wuthrich. What happened? Signed a television deal. Oh, no. The show's main premise was discussing the death of James Dean from a first-person account. No. One week later, he died in a car accident. (laughs) Yes. That is fucking insane. The little bastard lives on inside of all of us. That little bastard. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's all I got for you. First you both go about your way and then I fall off a truck. And then I fucking disappear but everyone's still dying. That what you wanted from me. Yeah, it was good. Okay, well, that does it for today's episode. Uh, Happy Halloween! We hope you have had a great Halloween, Halloween last week. Halloween! This is Halloween! This is Halloween! 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 Copyright. <laughs> Is that a copyright strike? No, nah, that was. Nah. We weren't even in tune. You're very true. Although I feel like we're pretty good. Right. We we're... should start a band. Alright, this is the last episode of You, Me, and a Poltergeist. We will now be starting our own band. <laughs> you, Me, and a Punk Band. Hell, fuck yeah! Oh, shit. Wow! <laughs> you want to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or support us on Patreon, you can at You, Me, and a Poltergeist. Sorry, I just burped and hiccuped at the same time and thrusted my head back into the wall. I just thrusted back. Oh. Wow. <laughs> okay, so uh, if you want to follow my personal page, you can at Braden Farmash, B-R-A-Y-D-O-N, number 5, A-S-H, on Instagram. If you would like to follow mine on Instagram, it is Bambi Mackers, B-A-M-B-I-M-A-C-C-A-S. You can vote for all your favourite episode ideas coming forward on our Patreon by jumping over there and joining. And And you can just join for $2 a month. Yes, that's right. You heard it here first. $2 a month. Step in now. Get it while it's hot. 
Okay, well, I guess that just about does it then. That just about does it then. Another week in the books. Episode Another 30 week is in the down. Books. Another episode 30 is down. <laughs> One third of the way until we have to get our fucking sworn upon tattoos of yes. Paulie the Poltergeist. If you don't remember, go back and listen to all of our episodes until you catch up to the part where we tell you what tattoo we're getting. I just said Paulie the Poltergeist. Shh. Okay, I won't tell them again. <laughs> I ain't editing that out. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. 100 episodes, we'll get Paulie the Poltergeist tattooed on our ankles. Oh, ankles. I thought it was our asses. No. Okay. Anyhow, thanks so much for joining us. I have plans us. for ass tattoos. not going to be fucking <laughs> Paulie. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And remember, exercise regularly, motherfuckers. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.